morning we're in chapter 39. You have a copy of the scriptures. Would turn with us, please. The book of Genesis, chapter number 39 tonight. Having found your place there, if you turn also to Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah. Let's look, please, in chapter 50. And then I want to call our attention to a couple of verses in chapter 55 of the same book. Isaiah chapters 50, 55, we'll go there first. And then we'll go back and spend our time primarily in the book of Genesis chapter 39. Joy to greet you, special joy to greet our guest tonight. And the pastors acknowledge the guest among us. We appreciate you being here, especially the men of God that have taken time out of their busy schedule to be with us. God bless you for coming. I appreciate the good music tonight. I've mentioned every evening, every night, there's been a reality of the presence of God in the music. And we're grateful for the blessing that's ours to enjoy the good music. I want to mention a little bit more in detail in a moment after reading my scripture. I was in a I was in a meeting in Greenville, South Carolina a couple, three years ago. I was out, just outside of Greenville. I was in a motel just in a, a suburb of, the, of that city. And uh, I was uh, taking my meals there in the restaurant that is connected. And I noticed uh, when I was having my lunch that there was a person, at least I thought he was, uh, you know, I, when I'd look up, he'd be looking at me. And... Uh, I noticed that uh, he, after paying for his lunch, he went back and had a seat and waited till I had finished uh, having lunch. I was uh, alone. And uh, he approached me and uh, had something to say to me that relates to what I'm talking about tonight. I'll go a little more in detail in a moment. Isaiah number 50, our... I'm not attempting any exposition here. I just want to lift out two or three verses to ask you to think with me about something. God's talking to to Israel in a time when, uh, to say the least, they were under pressure. Hardship, difficulty was overwhelming. He comes to them through the prophet and he, he asks them a question in verse 10 of Isaiah 50. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? Now think about that. Here's the raising a question to the one who, one who is walking in awareness and the fear, the awe, the reverence of God, and one that is obeying God. He obeys the voice of the servant, that is, when the servant is given the word of God. This person that God brings the question to, now I want you to think with me, he, he, he raises the question, and in the question he's asking them, he's letting them know that he's aware that they fear him and they obey him. And yet he says, that walketh in darkness and hath no light. You don't normally think those go together, fearing God, obeying God, loving God, and yet you're in darkness. You have no light. Light is understanding here. You don't know why you're in darkness. I want you to get the picture now. Normally we don't relate these two together. We normally, if someone's in darkness, they, uh, they, the light's gone out as it were. And you normally think of that person, uh, you know, that person is, is uh, in rebellion to God. That person is not loving God. That person is not fearing God. But here... He asked the question, now they were, they, this is captivity truth. They didn't understand what was going on. And here's God coming to them at their point of need. And, and through the prophet, he raises the question and said, who, who is it among you that fears me, obeys me, and yet you're in darkness? You have no light. Now notice his admonition to him. 
Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. The idea of stay is to lean upon him, depend on him. Now notice what he says. Behold, all ye that kindle the fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and the sparks that you've kindled, this shall you have of mine hand, you shall lie down in sorrow. Don't miss what he's saying. He's urged them to stay up on God, and then he shows the possibility, if they do not do that, they try to create their own fire. They leave God. They're going to walk in the light they're creating. God said, if you do that, if you take it in your own hands and try to get ahead of me and you won't stay with me, He said, you're going to lie down in sorrow. He said, you're creating a recipe for heartache. So I want you to keep that in mind tonight. It's rather sobering. Here is a people that were in darkness and didn't know why. And the temptation, when we're in the midst of something that's overwhelming us, and we we don't know why, we want to, if we're not careful, we want to get our hands on it. And if we're not careful, we'll leave God. We won't stay with God. We'll get ahead of God. And God says, you'll lie down in sorrow. Now, in Isaiah 55, he's still talking. All of you students know all of this is captivity truth, spoken many, many years before it happened. And again, he comes to them. And this is chapter 55, and this is verses 8 and 9. And God says to them, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. No no one has ever measured the reach of outer space, and they never will. And here's God coming to his people, people that was tempted to, you know, solve their own problem, meet their own needs, and chart their own course, and get ahead of God. He said, wait a minute, you don't know what's going on. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You haven't figured this out. My ways are not your ways. He said, uh, the the space between the the outer space, he said, why, my ways is, is, is that much higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want you to keep that in mind. That'll... Uh, as the Lord helps us, we, I think you'll see where we're going in a moment and bring that into focus. First book of the Bible, the 39th chapter. Joseph is before us tonight. Joseph has been rejected. He's been uh, sold to a caravan of Ishmaelites that's passing by. And they've taken him into Egypt. Our chapter opens with him being in Egypt. He's a young man. He's a 17-year-old youngster. God revealed his will. Now, you'll need to listen carefully now. God revealed his will to this young man in a dream. Chapter 37 in verse 5, he refers to to the dream that Joseph dreamed. Verse 9, he dreamed yet another dream. And he told his parents and he told his brothers about this dream. This dream brought into focus the will of God for him in a future day when he would actually reign over, be in charge of his family. And his brothers despised him. They they hated him. They envied him. When he went out to check on them under the direction of his father, when they saw him coming, verse 19 of chapter 37, they said to one another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And they get together and uh, they decide uh, instead of killing him, they sell him. And these Ishmaelites, they are headed to Egypt with him now and Well, let's begin. Would you stand with me, please? That'll change our position. Relax us here a moment. Chapter 39, the book of Genesis. Let's just look at verse number 39. I've mentioned already, I'm just, uh, I'm reading more scripture than I'm really using in my text, but I've said already it's more important to hear the word of God read than to hear the preacher comment about it. So let's just ask him to speak to us. This is a pivotal chapter in God's word. 
Chapter 39, the book of Genesis, we're told, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph found grace in his sight and served him. He made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. It came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and uh, over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. It's a way of telling us he was an attractive, handsome young man. Came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There's none greater in this house than I Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house therein. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she cried to the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. Came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. She laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. She spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. Came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. Came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison and really is there about at least 10 years. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and grace and, and gave him favor in the, in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Thank you, and you may be seated. I'm going to preach a little different type of a sermon tonight. You've noticed, those of you that's heard me preach any length of time, that primarily I... I, as a rule, I just take a passage of Scripture and we just sort of try to give an exposition of it, just spend our time. That was the way that I was taught and tried to approach the Bible as it's written, try to understand it, teach it, and preach it as it's written. So I, when I was a pastor, we just usually worked our way through books. We'd take a passage and from time to time we would just try to make an application of, of that truth to our hearts and try to learn the Scriptures that way. Tonight, I'm going to do a little, take a little different approach. I'm going to take a text. And the text primarily involves what I've been reading about. And it centers around the theme tonight, the text that I made reference when they said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Joseph, I, let me repeat. I don't want you to miss what I'm saying, where I'm going. Joseph had... Uh, the will of God revealed to him uh, in this dream. Joseph's dream was God's will for his life. And uh, here he is. 
on the way to make his dream become a reality, telling all of those around him about what God had said to him, what God had in store for him. And then suddenly, as it were, the bottom drops out and here he is, not only being scorned and rejected and put down by his brethren, but sold and sent to a strange land and down there still staying true to God and keeping his morals and staying clean and faithful. And yet here he is in a prison. Here he is in darkness, if you please, and no light, no understanding. See, we're reading the, you know, after the fact. But he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know why. And here is a good man, a faithful man, a godly man. Here is a man fearing God and walking in obedience to what God had said to him. And yet, he's in prison. He's been slandered. He's been lied about he's been put down and here is joseph before us tonight as our example as our teacher and i trust god will help us to learn lessons from joseph tonight back to what i said i was in this restaurant i'd had my lunch i was getting ready to leave and uh, this person that i'd already noticed that he was looking my way and i'd uh, I noticed that he was looking right at me, and then when I would look, he would kind of turn the other way. He came over, and uh, he, he said, uh, could I speak with you a moment? And I said, yes, sir. He said, you're a preacher herd, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. He said, I thought when you came in, he was two tables from me. He said, when you came in, I thought, that's, that's preacher herd. If not, did someone looks like him. And he said, when I heard you speak to the, the waiter, I, I knew, I recognized your voice. He said, uh, I have tapes of yours. And he said, I, I recognize your voice. The moment you spoke, I, I knew then that, that she was the preacher. And he said, uh, God wanted me to wait around and tell you something. He said, uh, could I have a few minutes of your time? He said, I heard you preach 25 years ago. Name the church. He said, you was in this area. I was in another part of that state, but... Uh, in the general area of Greenville, South Carolina, probably 40, 50 miles. And he said, uh, I was home from the mission field and had come home with a, a, a desire, or rather with an intent, I think is the word he used, with, a, with an intention to just quit. Trying to find, as he put it, a graceful way to quit without hurting as many people and, you know, and just... Uh, but he said, I, I left the mission field, disappointed, discouraged, defeated, bitter. And said, I told my wife, I, I fully intended to get in touch with the mission board that uh, got her support through and just tell them I'm not a missionary anymore. Quit sending the, the support to me. And he said, I was not a member of the church he was preaching in. He said, I hardly knew. I didn't know anyone. The pastor, I'd met him. I'd been there on deputation many years before this preacher I started to say he's an older man. I'm putting that older business way out there now, amen. But he was my senior a few years. Been preaching many years. He, he said it was 25 years, and it's about three years ago when I, uh, as I think about it, three or four years ago, when, uh, and he said it was 25 years prior to that when he heard me. And here's what he said. He said, I, I almost resisted going to the service. I knew God wanted me to. And he said, I came on a Friday night and said, you walked to the platform. And you, he said, you didn't have any, he used the word preamble, any introduction. He said, you just walked up and announced your text. Genesis 39. He read from Isaiah, walking in darkness and no light. And then you said, your topic tonight is this, how to make your dream come true. And he said, I couldn't believe. God said, that's why I want you here. I gave you a dream. It's not fulfilled yet. You're about to dissolve your dream. And said, you, you reiterated a couple times that I, I don't know why God wants this tonight. But someone perhaps in this room, you, you know what God's called you to do. You know what you ought to be doing. And instead of pursuing it, instead of making it a reality, 
and fulfilling it, you're about to dissolve your dream. You're about to throw in the towel. And he said, Brother Hurd, I, among others, went forward that night. He said, I didn't speak to you. He said, others was talking, was around you. He said, I didn't say a word to you. But he said, that sermon that you preached on how to make your dream come true kept me from quitting. And I went back to the mission field, and big tears filled his eyes. And he said, I'm home now. I've been back there 25 years. And said, God wanted me just to tell you, keep on preaching. Keep on telling folks how their dream can come true. But I don't talk about that tonight. I'm talking, I, I need to be careful. I've already tried to... Uh, you know, to clarify what I'm talking about, you talk about dreams sometimes. Folks who think, you know, you're off base and something weird happened to you while you sleep, you know, and got to trying to have people ask me sometimes, Brother Hurt, could you, can you interpret this dream? I said, no, you'll have to wait till heaven. Joseph, he's interpreter dreams, amen. He, he knows about them. I, don't, I can't interpret dreams. Maybe it's probably my understanding the dreams is something, you know, we've eaten before we go to sleep, you know, and most of the time doesn't have anything to do with God and and yet, if we're not careful, we, we sometimes we, we, we want to put such, such importance in dream. I'm talking about that kind of dream. I'm talking about the will of God. And I'm not just talking to missionaries tonight. And I'm not just talking to us preachers tonight. See, God's got a plan and a will and a purpose for all of His family, all of His children. And God's will for you tonight ought to be your dream. You ought to make that your goal in life, your ambition in life, and set out to do His will regardless. But I want to talk about when you're headed to pursue your dream and make it a reality and the bottom drops out. What do you do? You may say, well, if I'm trying to live for God, that won't happen. Well, hang around. I don't want to disappoint you, but the bottom does drop out for people even like Joseph, a godly man, a good young man, a young man that loves God, fears God, a young man that's morally clean, a young man that took a stand for God when it would have been easier to give an end to the impulse of the flesh. But he, he, everywhere you look at Joseph, he's standing true to God. And you'll find something about Joseph all the way. And in the New Testament quotes, it'll make reference to it. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. As I said today, if we'll yield to him, God will always respond to us. He says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. God won't leave you in the lurch. He won't leave you hanging. If you want him, he'll come to you. So here's a young man. He's setting out to make his dream come true, and the bottom drops out. That missionary, incidentally, he said, Brother Hurton, we'll be home a while. He said, I've got some workers. I asked someone else about that I ran up on Aspen knew him. He said, oh, yeah, I know him. He says, a great, uh, very useful servant of God said uh, in his area, God's greatly used him there. And, and he told me where he was at. And he said, Brother Hurt, if you ever come to that part of the world, he said, uh, whatever you do, don't preach on how to make your dream come true. He said, that's my sermon. I preach it all over that island, he said. <laughs> well, who am I talking to tonight that you've even entertained the thought of dissolving your dream, giving it up before you've, you know, before it's ever really... Uh, been finished what God's called you to do. Let me make five, four, I guess, uh, and just quote the last one where we started. But four simple suggestions, and let me put it in this way tonight. If you're headed for your dream and, and you're pursuing it and the bottom drops out, I want to talk about some things that we're not to do. I want to preface it with a negative tonight. Five things that we're not to do if the bottom drops out. And the first one is this. Uh, don't demand to understand. Now listen carefully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat myself. Don't demand to understand. Now listen, I don't think it's wrong, and God won't rebuke us if we ask Him why. Sometimes you can fig- find out some things. But if He doesn't tell you, if, you, if you're in darkness and you don't have the light, if you have encountered something that's overwhelmed you and for the life of you, you don't know. I mean, that's not what you was expecting. And you've set out to live for God and love God. I've noticed this, especially when I was a pastor, when God would really lay hold of someone and, and challenge them and they would yield to it. Most of the time, they've already sort of got a preconceived idea. You know, now everything's going to be good for me because I'm, I've sold out to God. And then when things went to pot and it just fell apart, Sometimes people would get bitter, they'd get frustrated. 
They'd make an appointment through the secretary and they'd come in the office to speak with me and they'd say something like this, Pastor, I, when, when I really committed myself to God and, and sold out to God, look what's happened. And I said, most of the time it does. Are you listening? I mean, I don't want to discourage you. I don't want to... I don't want to. I don't want to put an obstacle in your way if you're thinking about yielding and and selling out. But uh, what I'm saying is, is that if you sell out to God and you say, "Lord, I'm going to pursue this dream, Your will for my life," and then don't be so disappointed. Don't think it a strange things. Peter says. I mean, when suffering and heartache and disappointment comes. Now listen carefully. Don't demand to understand. The man want me to talk with a person in a, in a meeting just a few weeks back, back in a uh, little while before Christmas. And he took me to him. To be honest, he was a very bitter man. He said, Brother Hurd, I don't know what kind of reception we'll get. But he said, I felt the Lord impress me to ask you to go with me. And uh, the man greeted us with a, you know, I could tell. He was not, you know, we weren't welcome. I mean, but, you know, he invited us in. But he was rather brunt and short and a little harsh in his statements and he said well i'll just come to the point he said you know i just don't feel i i, I don't feel that you know i've got a you know i don't think i've I, i've got a good deal out of this i don't think i've come up on the short end of this thing <laughs> i listened to him a few minutes and he felt like that god had let him down i said to him you are am i understanding that you think god has has let you down he said yeah i'm disappointed in god well, I said to him, I said, well, there's one thing I'll say. You're open about it. You're talking about it. And that could be a therapy. And God will let you talk. God will even ask, let you ask why. He said, I've asked him why. I said, he didn't tell you, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> and that's the point. That's where I'm at now. I wasn't preaching a sermon to him. But you see, sometimes we've asked why. And if you didn't get an answer, my suggestion, these five suggestions, the first one is don't demand to understand. I mean by that, you know, insist on it. Well, I've got to know, Lord. You don't tell me. Oh, listen, He's sovereign God. You listening? We're bought with a price. We're not our own. And He doesn't do wrong. Anything He does will be right because He can only do right. And if we're not careful, see, we begin because in our... And that's why I wanted to read that scripture over there a moment ago when he says, if you're walking in darkness now and you have no light, he's saying, now you stay on God, just lean on God, stay with God. And he's saying, be careful that you don't try to create a light, some sparks, and try to walk in your own understanding. He said, if you do, you'll lie down in sorrow. And then he comes to him again, same people, the same situation, the same context. And he said, let me tell you, my ways is so high above your ways. And my thoughts is so superior to your thoughts. He just said, listen, stay with me, stay on me, because you don't understand what I'm doing. See, because it don't make sense to us doesn't mean it doesn't make sense tonight. Are you listening? Are you still with me? Don't demand to understand. See, God's up to something. You know what Joseph said many years later? And he didn't know that was going on when that wicked woman had, had lied on him and had him thrown in prison and he interpreted some dreams for a couple of fellas and, and, and one of them was released, the other one put to death and he told the one that was released, said, remember me when you get out. And later on he said, I remember my faults today. He forgot him all of those years. And Joseph's still over there in prison. But in God's timing, and God's providence. I like providence. Providence is God going ahead of us and looking after something before we get there. And in God's time, and Joseph all of a sudden came out of prison and, 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 and sent him to the throne. And there he is in charge down in Egypt. And when his brothers had to face him, you know what he said to them? You thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. Are you listening? Oh, see, Joseph didn't know that. We know it because, I mean, we've read the last chapter of Genesis now. And here was Joseph after he'd gone through heartache and disappointment and, and walked in darkness with no light. And, and, and after the fact, he's saying, God, you sent me, chapter 45. He says it over and over. You sold me, but God sent me ahead of you. See, they, they were wrong in what they did, but God overruled that, and God in His sovereignty just took over. And there's Joseph 
on the throne in Egypt, and yet Joseph did not demand to understand. You don't ever see him demanding God to tell him what's going on. And so we don't know what God's up to. His way is higher than our ways. His thoughts is beyond our thoughts. I heard of an old boy had gone off to school. It was his first year in college. He'd come home, and he had his buddy he, over there talking to him. It's his country buddy, and he was telling him. He said, over in the biology class, he said, I, I, I've learned that, you know, the world, when it was put together, some things wasn't made right. His old country buddy looked at him and said, really? You've learned that over at school? He said, yeah. He said, let me, let me illustrate this out there under a big oak tree but in the edge of the garden. He said, look at that big, big watermelon hanging on that little tender vine. He said, but, and look at, this, uh, look at this little small acorn on this big old tough, strong tree. He said, does that make sense? Why, you ought to have a little small acorn on a tender vine and, and, and a big watermelon on a big strong tree. And about that time, an acorn fell out and hit him on the head. And his old buddy said, you better be glad it wasn't a watermelon. Amen. <laughs> God knows what he's doing, amen, just because we don't understand. And yet a lot of times, I mean, we'll get bent out of shape. We get upset. Lord, I didn't plan it that way. Lord, that's not what I had in mind. Lord, I was going to do something else. But why is this happening, Lord? And if your dream is going to come true and you're going to realize it one day, I suggest first, don't demand to understand. If he doesn't tell you, just leave it with God. And just keep leaning on God and staying with your God. Let me just mention the others, and they come right out of it. Number two, don't demand to understand. Number two, don't fail to be faithful. I mean, don't uh, don't quit God. Don't quit church. Don't quit serving God. Because something didn't go right. I mean, don't give up your faith. Here's Joseph. Whatever else you say about Joseph, Joseph is a faithful young man. He's faithful in servitude. He's faithful in self-control. He's faithful in this severe suffering down there. He never renounces his faith. He just stays true to God. And so if you're in the midst of something tonight and pursuing your dream and you're heading out to make God's will your will and and something hasn't happened as you thought it ought to happen, don't demand to understand. And, And the second suggestion is don't fail to be faithful. Don't quit God. Don't give up your faith. Just keep loving God. Draw nigh to God. And you'll stay on your journey to pursue your dream tonight. There's a third one. Not only don't demand to understand, don't fail to be faithful, it's number three. And this is where, as Dr. the late Dr. McGee used to say, this is where the rubber meets the road. Don't bow to bitterness. Are you listening? Oh, how prone we are. And missionary said to me, he said, Brother Hurt, when you mentioned the first one, don't, uh, don't demand to understand. He said, oh, God's... He really spoke to me, and there I was just saying to God over and over and telling everybody would listen to me. I wasn't treated fairly. Someone, he said, it violated him on the mission field. Another preacher had undermined him and took a lot of his people, and, and the church was suffering. He said, I'd say to God, after all these years, how long it took us to build up, and now you permitted it to fall apart like this. And he said, there I was. He said, uh, I was about to cease to be faithful. That was the second one. I wrote it down and said, Lord, I'm guilty here. But he said, when you came to the third one and said, don't bow to bitterness. He said, I said, oh, God. He said, Brother Hurt, I was so full of bitterness. Oh, resentment. Felt like I'd been mistreated. Bitterness and ill will and and anger toward people that had wronged me. Are you listening? Look at Joseph's life. Not one time will you ever find Joseph with any iota of bitterness in him. When he was brought out of prison... When he was in control, you don't find him bringing any accusation against Potiphar. He's not upset with the, with, with the, with, for, for being thrown into prison. He's not upset with a, with a woman that lied about him and caused him to be the... You never find him saying one word against him. And when his wicked brothers that initiated all of it, when they rejected him, when they had to come down there in the providence of God, and, and they're down there to get some food, as you know, when famine's back in Canaan, and they don't know who he is. They... As far as he's their concern, he's just a governor of the whole land of Egypt. And yet he had to go out of their presence and went out with a, with a tender heart and compassion and wept and came back in in pretense, act roughly before them. But you see, 
There was no bitterness, no ill will, because he'd say to them later when they came and fall down after their dad dies, comes and falls, they thought, surely now that their dad's dead. And they'd say, I mean, vengeance is going to be Joseph's now. And they go fall down before him. And he said, listen, am I in the place of God? You thought evil, but God, God was in all of this, and God sent me ahead of you. Joseph related God to everything that happened in his life. He just related every event, related it to God. And I, and I said to the Lord again this morning, look, and I said, Lord, help me every day, everything that happens, help me to see you in it, because if we'll walk with him, he will be in it. Are you listening? Don't bow to bitterness. How can I say it without being unkind? I meet bitter people all over this country. I, I talk to bitter people all Oftentimes, people will, and I want people to feel they can talk to me, and they'll start talking. And, and, and see, bitterness has a way it betrays itself. You, you sense it in the voice. You see it even in the countenance. Bitterness just reveals itself. The Bible talks about a root of bitterness. That's why I say don't bow to it, because bitterness, bitterness will make a slave out of you. Bitterness will put you in bondage. A dear person said to me, and and she's, she's wound up in years. And when she opened her heart, she said, I've been a bitter person and told me how many years. And it shocked me. And she, she said, and, and I was wronged. And it was by my best friend. Supposed to have been a friend. And the friend, she used the word violate instead of offend. She violated me. She wronged me, she said. And I said to her, and she told me she knew she was saved. I said to her, you haven't been enjoyed yet. You're not enjoying your relationship with God. I know I'm not. I won't. She said, I won't lie about it. I said, you don't have a, a relationship with God in His Word. The Word don't speak to you, does it? No, I don't read the Bible. You don't have a prayer life, do you? See, the reason I know all of that, bitterness grieves the one that makes this Bible real. Grieve, uh, bitterness will grieve the Spirit of God. And when he talks about the things in the Bible, it grieves the Spirit. Uh, the, the major thing, he says, is putting away anger and bitterness and ill will and all of that stuff. Because the one that's with us was talking about him at the, at the lunch table today. And I said, my greatest need and my, my greatest desire every day of my life is every day of my life to be under his control, be filled with the Spirit. And if I'm filled with the Spirit, then he'll anoint me and help me when I try to serve him. But if I'm taken up for something in my life that grieves him, I promise you, and bitterness is something, and we feel justified sometimes. Are you listening? Oftentimes, the reason we, we, will, we will nourish bitterness and take up for it, a grudge or something, we, 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 we feel justified because somebody has wronged us. And if we're not careful, we try to play God. I got a call from a doctor, and, and uh, the secretary put the call through, and it was t- usually a time of the day that I didn't take calls. She knew what time I was in prayer and study. But uh, she buzzed me in my, in my office, in my study, and uh, she said, uh, Pastor, there's someone that says that it's urgent. They, they need to speak with you now. There's a doctor on the, on the phone downtown. He's calling from his office downtown in Indianapolis. I live in Indianapolis. And this one, I was still in the pastorate. I've been out of the pastorate now, going on, what, 17, 18 years. And uh, she said, uh, I told him, you, you wasn't taking calls right now. And he said, see if I'd make an exception. He really needed to talk to me, and I did. I was glad to speak with him. And he said, call me pastor. He said, Pastor Hurt, there are people in my office that attend your church. At least uh, relatives of the person that I, I'm going to ask you if you try to help her. And said her sister and brother-in-law, he gave me the name, and, and I didn't, said that they attend there on Sunday evening. Now, I hadn't met them because the church had grown up. A lot of people was there on Sunday nights and places that I didn't know by name. And, and I said, well, uh, uh, I, I don't recognize the name, but he said uh, they, they attend your service and they told me some things you've been preaching about. And he said, I, I, I don't want to tell you what I think her problem is. But he said, I'm a Christian. I, I love the Lord, but I'm not a Bible student. He said, uh, she does have an emotional problem and, and, and a whole lot of other problems. And this is a psychiatrist calling me, psychologist, I guess he was. And uh, he, he said, I, I don't have the, uh, I, I don't, as he put it, he said, I don't have the expertise, the word he used. He said he didn't know the scriptures well enough. Uh, to take the Bible and help her. But he said her, her root problem, her basic problem, he said, he said, it's spiritual. I know that. 
He said, that's all I want to say. But would you, he said, if you, if you can't see her, I'm not going to let her go home. She's at that point that uh, she can self-destruct is the word he used. Within 30 minutes, they were at our church. We were, we were outside the city a little. And I said to the secretary, I said, I, I'm going to be in prayer. We got some folks coming. I need the Lord to help me. And I said, if someone calls, just uh, take a message or whatever you need to do. They are there. And the woman, to be honest, it was you could just look to tell. It's registered all over her face. Heavy, heavy, heavy was her spirit. And uh, I tried to make them welcome, and I did recognize the couple because I'd seen them in the services, but I just didn't know the name. And we, we got acquainted a little there, and, and uh, she said, the doctor told me that you said you'd be glad to try to help me. And I said, I, I will. I hope I can. I said, we'll, we'll be glad if we can to help you. And she said this, and I, I don't want to go into much detail. I'm just going to illustrate something here. She said, uh, call me Pastor Hurt. said, Pastor Hurt, let me just give you permission to ask me anything you want to. It'll be all right. I said, I appreciate that. I said, let's have a word of prayer. And we did. And in my, after we'd prayed, the very first thing God impressed me to ask her, I said, since you've given me that permission, let me just come right to the point. I said, let me just ask you this. I said, who is it you're refusing to forgive? Now, she just told me it'd be all right, but it wasn't all right. <laughs> she exploded. Oh, my. They were sitting on the couch here, and they, she just got right up and right up in my face and, and screamed at me. And, and her sister, she couldn't hardly believe it. She's trying to help her. And she said, if you knew what she did to me, you wouldn't even suggest that I ought to forgive her. I said, well, it may not be my business, and I won't ask you. I know it's painful to even think about. And I said, my heart goes out to you. I can tell it's, it's a real struggle for you. And we began to talk, and, and, and I felt sure, I mean, reasonably sure that she had a relationship with the Lord. I said, tell me about it. She told me she's a Christian. I said, tell me about it. Just in your own word, just tell me when it happened and, and what happened. And she thought there a moment, began to get her bearings together, and, and she gave a good word of testimony as a, as a young teenager, just in her, in her early teens, how that she had come to faith in the Lord and, 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 and how that she'd even sing in youth choir and different things. And, and later she, she, she said, you know, I was even used some in music. And she even got to talking. Her attitude's changing a little. And she had really been wrong, to be honest with you. I asked her, I said, you remember a time you had the joy of the Lord in your heart? She said, yeah. I said, does that mean anything to you? Is that important? You've already told me you, you have no peace. I said, can you remember a time when you had peace? Big tears filled her eye. She said, oh, yeah, I remember that. Is that important? See, what I'm trying to establish is this. All of that bitterness will cancel all that out. Because, see, that comes from the one that gets grieved. His fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. He produces that in us. That's important to us. And if you've got to agree with the Holy Spirit, you won't have His fruit. It'll disappear. Well, without going into detail, in the course of the conversation, I was going to give her a prayer, and I said to her, she, her response was, she said, even, even, even if I wanted to forgive her, and then she started crying, said, I, I can't. I said to her, is it you can't or you want? She said, it's probably I won't. See, what you ought to do, He'll help you do. For us to say we can't do it when it's, when it's God's will for us. Oh, no, God will, God will not, not, not call on us to do something that we're not able to do. And she said, as we started to pray, I said to her, I said, just before we pray now, you told me you'd really like to be right with God. Would you ask Him to help you to be willing to do what's right? And I remember she said, how was that? <laughs> I said, would you just ask Him, Lord? I know it's right to forgive this person that hurt me, and I'm being honest, I can't do it, but I'm willing to do what's right if you'll help me. And you ought to heard her, she started praying. A few minutes, she started weeping. A few minutes, she said, oh, God, I can't believe. Lord, I feel like I've forgiven her. She's telling God that. And she got up, she hugged her sister, her brother-in-law. 
She said to me, can I hug your neck? I said, help yourself. Amen. See, she's getting out of that bondage. I heard her sing in a service. They, they asked her. She came to the platform and sang a solo a few years after that. This goes way back when I was pastoring. And, and I don't know, four, five, six years after that, she, she sang a solo in a service where I was preaching. I was sitting here looking up at her. And while she's singing, my, the touch of God on her, big tears was trickling down her cheeks. She told me after service, she said, the joy is still mine. <laughs> Who is it you're refusing to forgive tonight? Oh, you say, well, Brother Hurt, they wrong me. I know. People do wrong us, and we wrong people. I mean, we're not perfect. James, he brings that up. I mean, you, you, you put a group of people together, and sooner or later they're going to be offending one another because that being the limitation of being a human being. And yet if we take issue with that, and we are offended by that, and we're not willing to be gracious to it, people and forgive people, you know what will happen? You'll be bowing to bitterness. I close by saying this. I've said, number one, don't demand to understand. Number two, don't fail to be faithful. Number three, don't bow to bitterness. Number four, now listen carefully. I'm just going to mention it, but my, that speaks to me. Don't push providence. I mean by that, don't try to hurry God up. Uh, One Englishman I read, and, and they said he was kindly frustrated and walking back and forth in his room and someone knew him well said to him said dr phillips what's wrong with you he said i'm in a hurry and god isn't (laughs) that'll create a problem amen (laughs) i mean don't don't rush god you can't do it anyway but don't don't push providence don't say lord we got to have this now this got to come through right now no god's timing is so important Let me give you a verse about waiting for God. Not waiting on God. Waiting on God means you're dependent on God. You're you're leaning on God. That's what it means, they that wait upon the Lord. It means it comes from an idea. It comes from a word that means entrenched. You're you're determined. You, You have determination. You're dependent on God. But to wait for God is different. Listen to Psalm 130 and verse number 6. He says, My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. See, he's picturing waiting for God like that person that watches for the sunrise. Back in those days, they had the watchman. And sometimes in the prophets, you'll hear them asking, Watchman, what of the night? And he's watching for the sunrise. As the sun's, he'd say, he'd say morning cometh. And here's the psalmist. He's, he's picturing, he is waiting for God like that watchman. Watching for the sunrise. I got thinking about that. A couple things. Are you listening? Number one, you can't rush the sun. Set your clock up if you want to. won't pay a bit of attention to it. Amen. Get up and wring your hands and walk back and forth in the dark morning hours, but the sun's not going to, it's not going to come up any sooner. You can't rush the sun. But number two, listen, the sun does rise always has and it always will and the sun's coming up in the morning just as sure as we're here so don't push providence don't try to give up on god and i close where i started i've said don't demand to understand don't fail to be faithful don't bow to bitterness don't push providence and number five and final don't dissolve your dream just keep right on looking to god one day you'll discover that what God has got for you will be a reality in your life. Would you stand with me, please? All over the room, we're standing with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Those that's participating is coming to platform. I'm talking to someone in this room tonight that's hit some hard places. Something you sort of had in mind, maybe... In your personal life, maybe having to do with your work, maybe something about your health, maybe a family member that's disappointed you, something's not working out like you thought it ought to in your family, and it's about floored you, and you had a dream, and you, you're about to give it up. All over this room, there's people here talking to God. Don't miss God tonight. You're a guest this evening. You're welcome. No one will embarrass you. You don't just slip out and come and talk to God this evening. I find the best time in the world to do business with God is right while he's speaking. 
Just say, Lord, I heard. You spoke to me. See, God doesn't speak to me to put me down. God oftentimes will speak to me at my point of need. And he does that so he'll have an opportunity. He can do something for me. But that's what I was talking about today. If we do not respond, that cuts God off right there. If we don't want anything from God, God will speak and wait on us. It's our turn next. It's, a, it's our move. He never imposes himself on us. He'll, he, he takes the initiative on and he'll speak and woo and draw. But he doesn't force us. And if, you, if you're not interested, he'll say, all right, I back off. I'll leave you. I'll let you struggle with it. God doesn't come and put any pressure, though he speaks and waits and woos us and patient with us all over this room. Young couple, I preached on this a few weeks ago, and a young couple after service won't talk to me. They said, boy, we've been so disappointed. Something happened in their family. But said, God told us tonight, listen, I know about that. Just let me be God. They, they said, that's the word he said. Just let me be God. Don't give up on me. I know all about that, and, I, and I'm doing something about it. And they talked with such joy and said, we've just been so down and discouraged. And God said tonight, oh, listen, just lean on me. Stay on me even though you're in darkness. I know all about it. Our Father, Lord, you've, you've brought us to this tonight. I, I didn't question why. That's not my business. As I said earlier, it's a little different type of approach and a message for me, but I know you wanted this said tonight, and I pray that you'll seal it. Don't let the enemy snatch the seed away from us. Let it, as it were, fall into good ground and bring a harvest for the glory of God. Lord, just seal your truth. We bless you for being who you are. Lord, even when we're in darkness, that doesn't mean that you don't see the way. We're glad you're in a position you see the end and know the end from the beginning and help us to commit it all to thee. We bless you for the privilege of it. Speak now as we wait a few minutes before you. The pastor's coming. Don't miss God tonight.